Hey everybody, welcome to Rabbit's Rambling, podcast five. Three, duh. Oh, oh, three. Podcast three. Why, it's no ordinary rabbit. The addendum for podcast two will actually turn into the first segment of podcast three because it's going to get kind of long and rambly. And what that topic is, is sort of a history of pay-to-play model for online gaming. The addendum I want to make is that I said that online gaming has only been around for around 11 years. What I meant to say was that online massive multiplayer gaming uh, and FPS gaming. Obviously, internet gaming has been around a lot longer than that. It actually dates back all the way to the mid-80s, which gets into a little bit of a funny story. I don't know the exact time that this happened, but I would guess it is somewhere around 1983. This was back when I was pretty young, and I had a few friends, and we had a friend call us over. He said, hey, you guys need to come over and check this thing out. It's called a modem. And we're like, what the hell is that? So we went to check it out. So a couple of friends and I went over to his house, and at his computer, his fabulous Apple IIe, he had set up a modem. And he was showing us that uh, it was actually his brother's modem. He was a few years older, and, uh, you know, he had a job, so he had money. But they were talking to a cousin who was across the country. It was something along the lines of this speed. It was like A, B, C. And I was like, I don't get it. I don't see the big deal. Now, many, many years later... I see the big deal. We have the internets, we have fast speed, we have online gaming, and back around 99 I really got it because I got into Tribes and that was the first team-based multiplayer game that was really around and that was quickly taken over by an addiction to EverQuest which was the first truly massively online game according to official people who label such things. So that was really my introduction to online uh, life I guess as you could say. But it didn't really exist. I mean, so few people had modems, and you really couldn't do a whole lot with it back then. It was a a few years later that online gaming started to happen. People were playing text-based games called MUDs, multi-user dungeons. And people were doing uh, role-playing games and, uh, you know, their various different role-playing universes. And they were playing, you know, across the country or across the city or across the state. And it was the first time people could interact with one another. It wasn't until many years later, in 1991, when things really started to take off and gaming sort of evolved for the first time in in quite a while. And it took its first steps onto true online gaming. Uh, The first thing that I got into was the Imagination Network. Um, They were put on by Sierra. I actually got in on late phase beta, so I got to play it free for a little bit. Um, This was the first truly social game. Um, There were different areas. They they called them lands. If you think of a theme park, it was sort of like different areas. You know, there was this themed area and that themed area. And you signed up to pay for the base plan. Uh, The base plan was $10 a month for five hours of play. If you went over your five hours in the entire month... You had to pay three bucks an hour. On top of that, you had to pay, I think it was an extra five bucks per land, and you got like two base lands. 
the lands I played in was there was one that was sort of board games and they were like chess and checkers. The one I was really into was called Boogers, which was a variant of the 7-Up game, which was a variant of the Attacks Arcade game, which was one of my very favorite PvP games, I guess you could say. You could play the computer, but the computer was kind of dumbish. It, the highest level could kick my butt at the time. I was, you know, mid to late teens. But uh, playing against other people was really where it was at. So when it came online, and you could play it online, you know, with your five hours, uh, I was pretty addicted to it. I actually signed up for a higher plan, which I think started out at I was paying 20 bucks a month uh, for 10 hours, and it was only 275 if I ran over. I later went to a slightly higher plan, which uh, gave you a few more hours and a little bit less if you went over. But there were definitely some months where I hit some pretty big bills. There were two or three months, I think, where I hit 50 bucks a month. Uh, I think it peaked at around 80 one month. So everybody who's complaining about these, you know, online fees now that are 15, you know, 18 a month, 12, if it you get on a cheaper package, stop complaining. That's nothing compared to the original pay-to-play method of the early 90s. Also, at this same time, was Neverwinter Nights on America Online, which lasted for quite a while. Uh, checking the interwebs, it lasted from 91 to 97. So that was a really long run, since this was a dungeon game. It was D&D-ish, um, and it had sort of a 2D, 3D aspect. It wasn't full 3D, because you had some 3D elements, but the monsters and stuff were still drawn in 2D. Uh, your characters when you were moving around the city were still 2D. So this was a really big deal at the time. Our saving grace of the pay-to-play model where people were hitting 80 and 150 plus a month. Uh, thankfully not me, I only got up to 80 that one time, but I had heard of people who commonly hit 120 a month. The saving grace was a game called Meridian 59 by 3DO, which came out in 96. This was the first game that said, we don't want to kill our players like that. We're going to say, you know, pay us one monthly fee and you can have unlimited hours. And this was a really big deal. Uh, uh, America Online and Sierra's Imagination Network were up in a big fuss. Oh my god, you're giving away all this bandwidth. How, how can you handle it? How can you do it? And they're like, ha ha ha, we're going to do it and get all these players. And so there. So America Online quickly follows suit. I think Imagination Network was in its dying days at that point. But a year later, Ultima Online came out in 97, and they also were a flat monthly fee for unlimited hours. So the days of paying to play were thankfully over. And I know if I don't amend that immediately, you guys will jump on me for Podcast 4. But by the days of pay to play, I mean the old school method of, you know, a monthly fee that was variable based on the, the number of hours. Of course, we still have the majority of games launching now which are uh, attached to a monthly fee. We are, however, seeing some start to crop up that are free from monthly subscriptions such as Guild Wars 1 and the soon-to-release Guild Wars 2. I think it's pretty soon. Um, and there's also another one I am very excited and looking forward to which is called Firefall which is a first-person shooter style mod mix-up. But it is going to not only be free from monthly subscriptions, but free to get. You just go online and you download it. 
I'm not so much excited about that. I mean, saving money is awesome. I'm all for that. But, you know, there there will probably be some things you pay, you can buy in-game that I will happily pay for the game for because it looks awesome. Go look it up. This brings us to about 1999 when the first EverQuest launched. And they also said, you know, we're going to take a monthly fee and you guys can play as much as you want. And they were the first one to actually be labeled as massively. Uh, servers of Meridian 59 and Ultima Online were pretty big, but they peaked out at, you know, a few hundred to maybe a thousand people at a time. Whereas EverQuest 1, they were the first one to really hit thousands and thousands of players per server, and they had multiple servers. I think they launched with something like six or eight servers. Um, back in the day when I started right at launch, there was peak times of about 300 people online at once. So we really knew each other uh, in those early days. It took, I think, about a month or two before they started hitting the range of 500 people online. And I remember going, wow, there's 500 people on this server at the same time as me. That's crazy. And I think it was not until around the sixth month time period that they started hitting about 1200 you know 1200 people online at once and it wasn't until about a year out i think before they started hitting their average of about 3000 players online at once which i believe was the figure that the servers can handle so those those figures is where they kind of stayed for several years until they got some upgrades and then they started hitting around 5000 at the same time which is about i think still today what most servers tend to hit around 5,000 to a little bit more. So there we go. That is the brief history of the internets and online gaming. And my addendum to uh, my statement last podcast, which if we keep making addendums like this, uh, we're going to have some pretty huge podcasts. And I need to be careful about what I say and be a little bit clearer so that doesn't happen. Although you guys would love bigger podcasts, I'm sure. So that's it for section one. And uh, the addendum, which actually shouldn't be section one, but wow, we're like 10 minutes in. So that's section one. So there. Ha! And uh, we'll be right back after the break. So in this section, I want to continue the concept of social connectedness. I have an example from my writings of Epic Fail, which probably most of you aren't familiar with, but it's me writing about my terrible homeless journey. Um, it's huge now, so I, I hear it's really easy to read, but it's it's three books now, and it's quite the undertaking if you were to take it up now. Anyways. Um, I want to talk about social connectedness because we talked about that previously in the previous podcast, and I just want to get a little bit more out there because those of you who aren't reading Epic Fail aren't really familiar with how important I've uh, discovered that it can be, and that I really don't want you guys to undervalue the friendships that you have, and I don't want you to take for granted any of the friendships you have in your life, be them real life or online. So with that, I will uh, do my reading. Oh, I do mention a person I refer to as the Alpha in this writing. Back in the day, I used to be in the cafeteria a lot when school was in session. 
Uh, now, more so, I spend my time in a little side room that's uh, it's sort of a little less busy, but it can be a little louder. Anyways, uh, the Alpha is somebody who I referred to as sort of the leader of his group that I saw for years. Uh, there was probably always about a dozen people taking up to two or sometimes three desks, and they were always playing games and they were always having fun and always laughing and having a good time. In recent days, uh, pretty much since this school year, I haven't seen the Alpha with his group. His group seems to have dissolved. So when you hear me mention the Alpha, that's who I mean. Day 933, January 20th. The name of this entry is Feeling Like It's Time to Buy Pants. Today from about noon until the evening, I felt like I was going to go buy pants. This probably sounds strange to most, so I'll explain. It even took me a while to figure out why I felt this way. Back in the day, back when I had friends, back when I had a sweetie, spring meant being outside and playing Nerf Wars. So traditionally, in early spring, I'd go buy a couple of new pairs of pants, as most holes in pants are dangerous to run around in. It's been a touch warmer these past few days during midday, and I think that triggered a sense memory of that meaning that spring is on the way. Time to buy some new pants. I can't figure out why I still feel that way, though. I haven't done that in more than 10 years, probably closer to 15 than not. But yet, once upon a time, spring meant every other weekend was Nerf Wars or playing games, followed by barbecue and movies in the evening, sometimes well into the night to midnight and beyond. But it's been years since I've had a friend offline. Even if I weren't homeless now, spring and the warm weather would be effectively meaningless outside of the fact that I'm no longer cold all the time. Today I saw the Alpha, the leader of the group who no longer meets in the cafeteria. He was walking through the cafeteria texting and looking for a place to stop and eat. I saw him alone, no longer surrounded by the dozen or so peers he'd eaten, played, and laughed with on so many days past. I felt sad for him. I hoped he was still in contact with them and had not lost his friends. A few minutes passed, and I noticed him talking with a very attractive redhead. She was sitting at a table where it appeared two groups of three were joined together at two different tables. They hugged, and I saw her gesturing in what seemed like an introduction to the other two near her. They did a bro shake. You know, the palm grasp, fist bump, head tilt, sup. All the cool kids do these days. Then he sat down and joined them. I felt glad. He may not have his own social group anymore, but it seems he got invited to a new one. After a while, the three from that end all left together. As always, I thought back to my own lack of social circles in real life. It made me recall days of my youth where I was always the last one picked, always the one eating alone. It again made me wonder what aura I have that puts people off from me. Why have I seemingly always been the one alone? I have no answers. I may never get any. All I know is my social circle doesn't exist, and I don't need new pants. This section might be a little bit extra rambly. Um, it's going to be on downloadable content and microtransactions, and just kind of my thoughts about it. I've got sort of a, a list that is um, kind of rambly. It's not really organized terribly well, but uh, these are just more of my thoughts, and uh, maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree. 
I think uh, downloadable content is okay if it's low fee and replayable. Something like uh, a Mass Effect, uh, you know, expansion pack that has you know a couple uh, uh, encounters in it. That's okay, you know, if it's like five bucks or you know something like that. If it's ten bucks and it's like you play through it once and then you don't play through it ever again, uh, that just seems more like a money grab. That seems like the developers took the content out of the game and said we're not going to make release unless we take this content out so we have more time to work on it something like that I don't really agree with that because that should be something that's released free later on that said hey here's this extra thing we did you know maybe they didn't really intend it to be extra maybe it was supposed to be in the game at release but I don't think they should charge for it that's not right Games that restrict content, like lock areas, lock levels, or lock item ranks, that's just completely not okay, because that makes the game really unplayable, and it makes it really unfair. It changes it to uh, a division of have and have-nots. Vanity items such as pets, or a mount, or something that has a special look, I'm sort of okay with that, sort of not. These, I think, would be much better served as an achievement unlock, like say say it's a monthly subscription game say you said every six months players got to pick from this pool of restricted items doing extra items and saying hey here's this special mount it has horns and it goes two percent faster you know that's just that's just like a money grab to me again I, I, I don't think that's something you should charge because that's that's just a have and have not situation again and that's not really something that makes players feel good because a lot of these players that play online games don't have a lot of money. I mean, you know, I said before, stop complaining because it's, you know, 15 or 20 bucks a month. But, you know, there's just some people that that's the difference of being able to play and being able to not play. And then adding on something on top of that that says, ha ha ha, you don't have enough money. That's, that's not okay. Games that are free to play, that don't have subscriptions, and more so free to download as well. I would be actually perfectly happy with paying for small things that aren't critical, like extra bank space or paying for extra character slots beyond like, you know, one or two characters. Things like that I think are perfectly fine because they're not charging a subscription and in some cases they're not charging for the game itself, like Firefall. I fully expect a game to have that kind of microtransaction model. If it's something that's extra that you don't necessarily need to play, to make you uh, viable, you know, among the community, something like that, I'm totally okay with. And you know, in a situation like that, like with Firefall, I fully expect to buy some of those extra perks, as long as they are truly extra. You know, I wouldn't mind having extra bank space, even if I don't use it, because it supports the game, it supports the developers. They get something for their efforts. Uh, if it's if it's something again, like you know, that restricts content in any way, that's not okay. But if it gives you something extra that's just nice to have but doesn't affect gameplay, all for it. For those who are curious, I really have a, a pretty strong opinion about uh, digital distribution right now. Um, I am all for digital distribution because it gets rid of stuff that you probably won't use. I mean, personally, I love the boxes and I love having the manuals and I love putting them on my shelf and going, ooh, look at the shiny colors. But I do see the value in digital distribution. My problem with it is that digital distribution right now is charging the same fee for digital as it is for retail, which means 
you're getting the game in both cases but in the case of retail you're getting the box you're getting the manual you're getting probably a map or a mouse pad or something extra and you're getting any other inserts like you know key key combinations or you know hotkey strokes or whatever whereas with the digital distribution you have to get the file and print that out yourself which means in both cases you're paying the same price but in one case the digital distribution you're also paying your own resources to get all the free stuff that you get with the retail package so I have nothing wrong with the concept of it but the way that the distributors are doing it right now that's not okay digital distribution also tends to keep its prices higher for much longer periods of time than retail I'm all for people making money but I I don't think that's fair. I think they should charge a much lower fee for digital distribution just right from the start. I mean, if you want to go digital, say it should be 40 bucks versus 50 bucks retail. So there should be a difference right off the bat there to give the people incentive. I mean, these people are saving a ton of money through digital distribution. Sure, they're paying for bandwidth, but they're not paying for you know shipping the item the trucking company the packaging company the printing company the stapling it together company all of those companies are cut out so they're saving a ton of money but they don't pass that savings on to us if they did all for it you know but right now they're just being too greedy about it so I'm not really upset with digital distribution as a concept but I am at the people who are distributing so that was my ramblings on downloadable content and microtransaction. Uh, maybe you agree, maybe you don't agree. I, I expect most people would agree. Uh, it's one of those kind of things that most people have the same opinion about. But, you know, there's some people out there that are all for it or all against it. And uh, maybe it gives you something to discuss with your friends. So that ends this section. And there's one more little thing I want to talk about. And we'll do that right after the break. No one expects a Spanish Inquisition! The last thing I want to talk about is pretty much an online concept again uh, about the one game to rule them all. So often on pre-release boards you see people talking about how they want this game they're talking on the board for to be the one game that is the game they play for, I don't know, what seems like the rest of their life. The one game doesn't really exist in my opinion. People want a single perfect game to do everything they want, be it exploration, crafting, combat, raiding, dungeoning, loot, loot collecting, whatever. But I don't think that is really going to exist. I have never seen it really truly happen, although people claim it happened in certain games. But I don't think it really did. I think that's just their one first experience, and so they think it was the one true game. And people just want that experience again and I don't think it's gonna happen personally I've been really happy with some of the online games I play but in my opinion the one true game has never existed and I came to the realization that it may never exist and I am okay with that and I really think that everyone else needs to be okay with that too while this may mean that you have to pay more than one subscription fee for multiple games you have to enjoy the games for what that game is this game does that this game does that I enjoy both of those things so I'll play both games you don't want to try and force fit a game into something it's not like I like A B and C 
but this game only does A and B, so I'm going to force it to do A, B, and C, whether it wants to or not. If you can't get that last element from the game, don't try and force yourself to keep playing and thinking it's there. If it's not there, it's not there. Don't look for it there. Just go somewhere else. Go ahead and find as many games as you need to get the kind of enjoyment and play and entertainment you want. When you were a little kid and you played on the playground or you played outside with your friends, you didn't play just one single game, did you? No, you played a lot of different games and sometimes the game would evolve as you're playing. Video games don't do that. They're pretty much static things. They are what the developers create and they're going to stay within those boundaries. If what you want is outside of those boundaries, don't be upset about it. Just find another game that is within those boundaries. Play two games, play three games, play PC games and console games. You can play more than one game. The one true game is a myth, if you ask me. Don't expect to find it. Be okay with having multiple games and multiple characters in multiple games. Even if you had an awesome one true game and you played it for five years, you're still going to move on. Games are going to change. They're going to evolve. They're going to have new things that you're interested in doing. So why expect there to be one true game? Why not just say, I'm playing this game. I'm having fun doing A, B. I'm playing this other game over here. I'm doing C and D. You know, I'm getting all A, B, C, and D. I'm happy. I'm having a good time. I have to play two different games, but I'm okay with that. It's a different experience. They're different games. You don't have to have one game that does everything. That's just crazy. So that's it for podcast three. I've had an amazingly good time doing the second and third podcast, even the first one, even though the microphone was pretty terrible. Upon listening back, I, I had a lot less fun going, Ugh, that microphone's hard. But I've had a lot of fun doing all of these podcasts so far. I'm kind of having a little bit of trouble trying to figure out topics to talk about, so do not expect the next one to be a week or less like they have been. Uh, this one's coming out really fast, so you're welcome enjoy but I do expect it will probably be closer to the standard uh, two weeks I expect to put them out at next time because I have no clue what I'm going to talk about next although I didn't have any clue during the second or third one and uh, poof here they are just that quick so you never know but uh, I had a good time hopefully some of you out there had a good time as well hopefully a not zero number of you are listening and subscribed and uh, enjoy them and uh, that's it for this week I made a script, or well, this I guess you know, soundbite, whatever, of uh, a thank you for donations. But so far there haven't been any. But uh, I'm very much looking forward to playing that for you guys because I had a lot of fun with it and I think it sounds really cool. But I don't want to spoil it, so I'm not going to give it to you just yet. You'll have to wait. So that's it for this podcast. Uh, we'll be back next time. Okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs>
right now. I saw him alone, no longer server. I can see the the point of downloadable content. Yeah, I mean, full downloads. Bleh. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find my website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use a space, and be sure to put the one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2011 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.